Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. C, can I ask you a question? A serious, serious question. Absolutely, Al. You can always ask me serious questions. Would you, for art, wear an uh, offensively big nose? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Like, Like, straight up, like, if you were to wear it, People would assume like you're either being anti-Italian or anti-Semitic. <sighs> now, now, know, now, let me let me add something else to it. Let me add something else to it. There's more to it. You are the single creative force behind this decision. Hey, look, Robert Downey Jr. did blackface and got away with it. So, <laughs> what do you want me to say? Okay, but that, I know that was more subsur- a subversion on it. I understand that. <clears throat> but no, yeah. Oh, it was. Go on. No, go on, Al. Go on. And, and, yeah, would you, while wearing the offensively large nose, would you, uh, really, really, really brag about how in character you are? Look, <laughs> this is. I do. Can we feel a little bit bad for Bradley? Even a little bit. Like, I know he's doing fine. And like, but like, I'll get into it. You can just tell that he worked so hard on this movie. He did. He he worked so hard. And what does he get to show for it? Everyone Mm. on Twitter and social media seems to hate him now. Or not, not hate. No, they don't hate him. They don't hate him. Hate's too strong a word. No. They're mocking him. And I find that to be a little, a little sad. It is. It is. Because look, I loved A Star Is Born. I really did. It's, it's in my top ten for the year it came out. It's amazing. Um, Great music in that too. Fantastic. It's it's fantastic. so weird that Bradley Cooper of all people has become like oh that filmmaker who likes working with music. Like mm-hmm. before he became a director, I never saw anything in his career that made me think oh this guy's really into music. Like yeah. Like, you know, Kenny Ortega, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the director? The director oh, of Hairspray, um, Adam something? Well, wait, uh, you mean the director of the original movie or the musical? No, 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 the, 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 musical. the, the musical. He did, he did oh, Hairspray, um, then he did Rock of Ages, and oh, he, yeah. most recently did, uh, he most recently did uh, Hocus Pocus 2. Okay. I, I forget his name. And, um, oh, God, what was, what was his name? Uh, like know. yeah, basically like everyone, every, everyone compares him to. Oh, uh, I guess I was wrong. He did not direct Hocus Pocus too. Oh, okay. uh, but Rock of Ages. What did he do? Um, Adam Shankman. There we go. Okay. Adam Shankman. Uh, he he basically he basically did. Uh, oh, he did Disenchanted. Uh, he did Step Up. You know, okay. Adam Shankman. He's mu- yeah, he's the music director. Yeah, he's like he does he does musicals and uh, also uh, the production designer guy. Uh, uh, he did uh, Into the Woods. He oh. did Nine. Um, yeah, that one. Uh, how um, do I always forget these directors' names? You guys can know. tell that I'm not really big on musicals. Like that's just kind of. No, my I thing. know, but I I am, and I should know this because. Um... Rob Marshall. Okay, Rob Marshall. Yeah. yeah. Also, isn't it crazy that Rob Marshall is one of the few directors who's like, I've worked with Daniel Day-Lewis as my lead. Like, you have Martin Scorsese, Paul W.S. Anderson, Steven Spielberg, 
you have uh uh what's his face um the the british director the one who did uh michael mann and oh, uh yeah. the guy who did the boxer uh jim sheridan oh, these are like even, um, master filmmakers the guy who directed uh gandhi uh and played the creator of uh jurassic park he had, well that was before he was famous that was before that actor was famous. oh before what, what uh, uh, richard attenborough richard, what, what, richard attenborough. what did he do with richard attenborough he did Gandhi. He plays a smaller role in Gandhi. Oh, he's it's, in Gandhi? He, but everyone was in Gandhi. So that's, <laughs> that's not entirely fair. Um, I love how you're like, everyone's in Gandhi. Uh, but yeah, and then you got like Rob Marshall and you're like, what? And this was like, this was like right after There Will Be Blood. He mm. goes like, he goes like, you've played Daniel Plainview, which is one of the biggest like roles of your career. What are you going to do next? Uh, I'm going to do like a send off of eight and a half musical with rob marshall he wanted to take it easy and i can't blame him for that he still went full-on method for that no of course he did it's all he knows how to do he can't Dude, do you know antonio banderas was like because he was he was in the he was in the original broadway version yeah. and and he's like well obviously they're gonna cast me in nine Oops. and rob marshall goes like no we're not and he's like why because we cast uh dan lewis and he, they was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, okay. Oh, why didn't you just say that? Yeah, but, okay. you know, we're going off topic mostly because yeah, that should tell you something if we're going off topic so <laughs> we early. We do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. like it, it's really sad that when we get off topic, it's because th that's usually saying something about the movie. But yeah. kind of circling back to Bradley Cooper, who's, l let's be frank, he's no uh, Daniel Day Lewis. See, so no. I tie it all back together. Oh, um, you did. But no, in, 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 in all seriousness, way. in all seriousness, um, it's kind of crazy how this project came about. I, uh, see, I don't know if you're aware of the story. Uh, I know a little bit. I know, and actually, you mentioned that Spielberg was originally attached to it. Yes, because Spielberg this... had long wanted to do a, a bot. For what movie is this? For the record, Al. Uh, what what movie's what? What movie are we talking oh, about? Oh, we're, we're talking about Maestro. There we go. Uh, Bradley Cooper's uh uh sophomore effort. Yep, and uh, as a director, and mm -hmm. uh, I think his and writer, producer, and lead actor. <laughs> yeah, did, did he did he write uh, *Star Is Born*? He well, he he co-adapted it. Okay, so so also his sophomore effort as a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, so the story is pretty interesting. Uh, both Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg grew up gigantic fans of Leonard Bernstein. Of course, uh, Leonard Bernstein. For those that don't know, is quite possibly the greatest american composer of all time he is I, I, considered I, I, the I, first great american composer yeah and he's yeah he's he's considered the first great american composer although john west y'all for the record west side story okay just uh, yeah understand that so leonard bernstein was pretty much the the john williams before there was a john williams also the the song uh uh, from Damn Yankees, New York, New York. It's a wonderful town. He's responsible for that song yeah. too. So he was the first com American composer to work, like to compose, or, or or he was the first American conductor to conduct like the big orchestras in Europe that mm -hmm. had never been done before. Yeah, you know, and he was like such an American representation of America. You know, this this New Yorker, proud Jewish man. Uh, like just really exemplified like American exceptionalism at the height of his career. You know, mm -hmm. this was like po immediate post-war. Yeah. America's like the new big dog on the block. 
Like, like, and he was also doing movies, which was back then that was weird yeah, to do. He was composing soundtracks for movies because his suit, his sort of mentor at the time, Aaron Copeland, uh, was doing movies. And it, this is actually kind of funny. Leonard Bernstein had kind of a professional rivalry with because so uh, Leonard Bernstein was was more uh, uh, a conductor in the East Coast. Uh, but he did compose, but he mostly composed for Broadway, although sometimes he would compose films. Mm-hmm. In the West Coast, you had Elmer Berenstein, mm-hmm. who uh, mostly composed movies, did some did some Broadway musicals. Uh, if, for those that don't know, he did the music for uh, The Magnificent Seven. And mm-hmm. like if you hear the, the score for The Magnificent Seven, you're like, oh, I, I know what that is. Yeah. Uh, so there was there was a professional rivalry there. But in essence, this was the John Williams for the, the, the kids who would end up making up the new generation of Hollywood. Uh, Martin Scorsese, uh, Steven Spielberg, Brian De Palma, George Lucas. Famously, famously, uh, uh, when Steven Spielberg decided to do Schindler's List, he was like, I don't know who can compose because the greatest composer, the, the only composer who could do this would be Leonard Bernstein. And obviously Leonard Bernstein had died by then. Mm-hmm. So he told John Williams, like, John Williams was like, I can compose this for you. He's like, I know, but Leonard Bernstein's dead. That's literally what he said, yeah. He's like, Leonard, yep, 100%. Um, but anyway, so Spielberg and Scorsese had such a respect, such a love for Bernstein that they really wanted to turn his life into a film. Uh, mm-hmm. It was two separate projects. Eventually, because they're friends, they teamed up and were like, you know, we both kind of want to make this project. How about we work together when we when we get a script, when we can get a script, then we decide who directs it, right? Or mm-hmm. which one of us is going to direct it. And that was like that for a couple decades. They just mm-hmm. could not find the right script. Uh, they couldn't find the right angle to tell the story. And for the record, in this movie, you can tell that they they were struck that the people creating the script were struggling to find the story. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh Eventually, you know, it's late 2017 or early 2018. Bradley Cooper had just written and directed his first foray into into movie, his first movie mm. with a, he he co-starred with Lady Gaga. It was the third at a remake of fourth fourth the fourth remake of A Star yeah. Is Born, and he decided to present it to. And f- go on, sir. He decided to present it to uh, he decided to give a screening to uh, Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese. They were so blown away by his take on A Star is Born that Spielberg literally went up to Bradley Cooper and said, hey, we want you to direct Maestro. And he's like, wait, what? Because everyone in Hollywood knew that that Scorsese and Spielberg wanted to make Maestro. They just mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what to, how to get to it. And their schedules were so busy. And at that moment, they were like, we don't we're not going to direct it. You are. And, mm-hmm. you know, imagine being given an assignment by Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you say no? How can you say no? And immediately Bradley Cooper went to work immediately. He uh, for four years, for four clear. years, he not only did meticulous research on Leonard Bernstein's life, but uh, he started working with uh, screenwriter Josh Singer on cracking the story. And the, the two screenwriters came to the angle that Maestro is, was they're like, what if we tell the story of Leonard Bernstein through the lens of his relationship 
with uh, Felicia Montenegro Cohn. Now, Felicia Montenegro Cohn was a Chilean actress, Chilean-American actress, who was married to Bernstein. Uh, famously, he left her because it was an open secret. The man, the man had a ton of affairs, mostly with men, mm-hmm. uh, also some women. Um, I, I, and I know that's a little controversial. Uh, his family to this day still, still like pushes the idea. His family, his family ha- takes the the takes the position that uh, Leonard Bernstein was a bisexual man. Mm-hmm. Um, most popular culture kind of takes the position I that he that was a gay man. Frame him as a as a gay man as a. It's, he, can I just add like he, yeah. it's kind of a you at there it's it's the similar thing with um the lead singer of queen freddie um, mercury yeah exactly. it's kind of that it's like it's kind of that where it's like yes he had re- they both had relationships with men uh but they were also with women at times well they were very committed with a with one woman and were occasionally known to be with a, another woman or two but yes back back in their time it was you know very controversial that and widely known that these were they were both uh, sleeping with men as well. Yeah. So, you know, we're not going to get into the controversy. All we know is that he definitely slept with men, whether he saw himself as a gay man or he saw himself as a bisexual man. That's a mystery for the ages. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know what it, what position his children take or in what position most people who know as he was called Lenny is what most people would say was like, no, he was just a gay guy who just refused to admit he was gay. But who knows? Well, that's, we're not that's, we're not taking a position on that. We yeah. are just stating the facts of what his activity was and what his family is saying and what various outlooks are. Point yeah. being, he he had a lot of tumultuous, not tumultuous relationships, and it was a very much his activities. What he did was an open secret. Yeah, and uh, eventually he he did leave his wife for a man, and uh, she. This isn't a spoiler. If you know anything about Leonard Bernstein, you know this. Uh, she got diagnosed with cancer and he decided to move back in with her and take care of her in her final days. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the story of Leonard Bernstein. Uh, he eventually died, I believe in the night. Did he die in the late eighties? He died. He, he died in 1990. Okay. So he did die in 1990. All right. So he died yes. in 1990. He was alive. And there's an interesting, there's, I, I found it. F- we'll get into this in the movie. He was alive when that song, it's the end of the world comes out, uh, which references him by name in that song. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember? Because it's the, it, there's a bunch of words that's there's a bunch of names he says, and then at the end he goes, Leonard Bernstein. That song came out while Leonard was still alive, at uh, towards the very end of his age, but or of his life, but he was still alive. So it is very possible, in fact, very likely he heard that song or at least knew that he was mentioned in that song. It's 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 fascinating that I mean, I mean I'm sure Bradley Cooper had had like an appreciation for Leonard Bernstein mm-hmm. but like it is crazy that after he got the assignment because this this wasn't a passion project for him this was no. this was Spielberg and Scorsese's project he yeah. it might as well had been a passion project no he, he I think he became passionate about it I think oh that's yeah what say. he he went into this this project he went into like embodying the character the 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 person of leonard mm-hmm. bernstein um and like i said he they took the angle of presenting his life through the relationship between him and his wife uh i have some thoughts about that uh, i'm it's sure very, c has some too 
but that was the yeah. angle they decided to take the story. Uh, Bradley Cooper spent years, m- years like perfecting ma- the mannerisms for uh, Leonard Bernstein, and he spent like months just practicing conducting like a six-minute segment of a mm-hmm. Leonard Bernstein composition. The the resurrection, which the resurrection. is or it wasn't, famously... It wasn't, a, it wasn't a composition by Leonard Bernstein. Uh, I forget no, who yeah. did it. Mahler? I think Mahler. It's Mahler. Okay. Mahler. The Mahler, so I, I looked it up because I was... Because it's an impressive composition, and I actually learned. So it's it's been... I, there's, there, there's a symphony name to it. There's the symphony title, but I don't remember it. But it's also known as Mahler's uh, The Resurrection, and it's widely considered to be in the upper echelon of... Mo- one of the mo- more difficult uh, uh, symphonies to compose because you or are to conduct. So- you mean to conduct? Sorry, not to conduct. Yeah, to conduct because you have to have so many instruments involved that they nearly surround you. Like you, it's it's like you have to put some further in a pit. It's why they actually. It's it's why he performs it where he performs it. Also, that's a famous concert hall as well. That yeah, that that's in. the famous concert right after the Berlin Wall fell. Yes. Which he performed at, and which you wouldn't know from the fucking movie, but we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll we'll get uh, to that. Oh, we'll get what, to that. Yeah. So, um, you're watching. So my point is though, it's an incredibly, incredibly difficult. Uh, and I'm no, I'm I'm no musician. I don't know how to play a single instrument, but I looked it up. It's difficult because you're nearly surrounded by instruments, which means you not only have to compose conduct. Or, or, or conduct. Jesus, you not only have to conduct forward but you sometimes have to turn around and like instruct an instrument that's almost behind you to do something else it's very very difficult famously so it's why um also it's and i looked up some of the footage of not this one concert but other concerts of leonard bernstein uh conducting and the exaggerated movements that part totally real like he really goes that ham with it which he was actually criticized for in real life people thought that and the movie does bring that up in an interesting way, but he was criticized for being over the top when he was conducting, but it's just the way he did it. Anyways, yes, um, go on. Sorry. So, listen. Yeah. He, he obviously put a lot of effort into this. Yes, he did. And let me just say, let me, let me just say that uh, I personally will never I'll personally never like like mock an artist for really really going all the way. I mean yeah. the, we we like even bad art we appreciate like uh like uh uh, uh plan 9 from outer space that guy mm-hmm. uh 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 you I know, know who you're talking about yeah what's his face uh, Ed Wood Ed, Ed Wood. Wood yeah 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 Ed Wood like you appreciate the effort and I I see no point in mocking it but no but let it be said that uh, Bradley Cooper did kind of bring it upon himself when his because folks make no mistake, like obviously the studio, the writer slash director slash lead actor slash producer, all knew that this is the type of movie that the Academy loves. Yep. It, it just it just is. So they're going to campaign for awards. Hard. They're going to campaign hard. It's just that Bradley Cooper's like angle in in campaigning for the awards is 
look how hard I worked to make this. Here's other people telling you how hard I worked to make this, who are also and, involved in the movie. And I, I think it And for the record, we're not denying that part. And, and here's the thing. In most, uh, in most award season campaigns, that's kind of the angle most actors, most directors take when they're like, when they want the Oscar. I mean, like Ang Lee and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 Alfonso Cuaron, basically their entire campaign for the best director Oscars of their respective years, which was one after the other, was look how hard I worked to create this crazy visual effects heavy movie. And I'm talking about uh, Gravity mm-hmm. and uh, Gravity and uh, uh, the Life of Pi, respectively. Mm-hmm. Right? I that, remember that. that. Yeah, yeah. And, and they won. They won. Yeah. See, the problem here is is that uh, Bradley Cooper's competing in, in a world, as, as an actor, he's competing in a world where you have Killian Murphy who basically said, yeah, uh, Christopher Nolan told me six months before shooting that I was going to be Oppenheimer. I did some research and I got to work. And I stopped eating nearly, which, but, but he, it, didn't talk, he didn't talk about that. He just did it. He just did it. And then you got Paul Giamatti, who was like, Alexander Payne showed me the script. We talked about it and we got to work. Mm-hmm. And then you have Riley Cooper going like, I spent years on this. I spent six months just learning how to conduct Mahler's The Resurrection. Uh, like, I, I have so much passion for this. And let's be honest, on social media, especially TikTok, like film Twitter, film TikTok just kind of had... Just, just kind of had a field day, kind of shitting on Bradley Cooper, and, which I, mean, to, I don't think is a hundred percent fair. But we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I don't think that's fair either. Especially, and this just kind of shows you how mean people can be. There is a truism. I, see, did you ever watch like the the Between Two Ferns web show with yes, the Zach Galifianakis? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a truism there that I that that is, there. So he does a special for like the 2012 or the 2011 uh, Academy Awards, right? Mm-hmm. And in that, it, it was it was the Academy Awards where uh, Bradley Cooper was nominated for... Uh, for uh, oh, Silver uh, Linings. For Silver Linings. Yeah, he was nominated for Silver Linings. And th- throughout the bit, there's a moment where uh, Bradley Cooper tells uh, tells Zach Galifianakis, you know my kryptonite, or you know my, my kryptonite is wanting to be a part of something. You know that's my weakness. Turns out that's actually true. That uh, Bradley Cooper has apparently this almost pathological need to, to be accepted in, in whatever thing he's a part of. In this case, you know, kind of the award ceremony. So that's kind of why he's been pushing really hard for that Best Actor Oscar. Yeah. And uh, listen, I'm not I'm not Bradley Cooper. So for me, when it's like, oh, this guy's just he's not doing it out of ego. Well, he is doing it out of ego, but he. It's sincere ego in a way. Yeah, no, way. he genuinely just wants to be a part of something. So I, yeah. I, I see no need to attack him. But that's – and the reason we're bringing this up is that that's kind of been the narrative around Maestro since it's been released on Netflix. Oh, that's mm-hmm. another thing. Uh, Netflix bought this dirt out of the film festival circuit and was like, this is going to be our big December release. Cause now they the, always, go on. Sorry. No, you go on. The one thing I wanted to add is that if you go – if you go onto Netflix – and you know how a lot of their movies they'll talk about like in like the little in the little descriptor that like hovers over the movie you'll see the awards it's been nominated for or won or it'll like tell you a fact about the movie or it'll do anything it can to get you interested. You know what this movie this one does? It's the only thing on there. What? It says 
got a stand a seven minute standing ovation from the Cannes Film Festival, which is true because two movies got like really long standing ovations. There's always one movie a year that gets a standing ovation, almost like it's planned at the Cannes Film Festival. It's a little weird now, but uh, Maestro. And Killers of the Flower Moon both got incredibly long-standing ovations. We have video evidence for one of them and not the other, is all I can say. Um, but it's all they talk about. And it's... it's. I just find it interesting for me that this he worked so hard on this movie. And I'll say this now without getting into super detail yet. It's objectively, in my opinion, objectively not bad. Not it's not, but it's when you get into the finer details of things uh, that you start to understand the how do I put this the unfortunate situation that he Bradley was put in and the really non memorable result it yielded. But with that. How about, uh, yeah, how yeah. about we watch the trailer and then yeah. let's really dive into this yes, shit. Yes, let's really dive Not that I'm calling it shit, I'm just no, saying. No, we're not, we're not, we're not. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can't make music. Something she told me. Hello, I'm Lenny. Hello, Felicia. Beautiful. Oh. Tell me about Oh, it. she's wonderful. She's a lovely girl. What age are we living in? One can be as free as one likes without guilt or confession. Please, I know exactly who you are. He can be the first great American conductor. There's a price for being in my brother's orbit, you know that. I love people so much that it's hard for me to be alone. That music, it keeps me glued to life. You don't even know how much you need me to know. I might. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, and you can't make music. I haven't seen that trailer before. It's good. I liked it. It's good, but it, it kind of is very emblematic of the movie. No, yeah, it is. It is. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will admit something right now. I, for years, 
was a sucker for a good biopic until they started sucking genuinely like they're one of my favorite movies of all time as a biopic uh, Lawrence of Arabia I've mentioned it before I fucking love that movie um well it's a loose biopic but you know what I mean um it's I I am a sucker for some of those tropes tropes but I've learned to catch them especially as I went through film school and then afterwards as well I was like okay th- this is this is emblematic of those 80s 90s um biopics that were really all the rage and all the award gobblers of the day so to speak but so in that sense I do see what you mean now so yeah it's basically like focusing on the relationship between uh, Felicia Montenegro Cohen and uh, Leonard Bernstein a lot of talking and then just grandiose music pops up at the end that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the movie <laughs> And that, so if I can add, I, I'm, when I was watching this, which I actually saw it very recently, I, I, it took a while to catch it. I, halfway, or not even halfway through the movie, a quarter of the way through the movie, you know, when you're watching a movie and it's not, again, you're not like not completely not enjoying it, but you're rather in the mindset of how would I do this instead? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. That's oh my God. Stuck we're, on. we're sharing a brain. No, we because, because yeah. I, I was literally in that same situation where I was watching and I was like, well, I would do this different. I would do this different. So, yeah. Um, see, you know, you kind of open up with your thoughts and I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll listen and then I'll give my thoughts. Yeah. So actually, I want to continue on that moment for a second where what I would do differently. And I realized, OK, if I only had post-production access, like to edit and I couldn't film anymore. I would, I realized, I would do something that I mentioned, uh, or I would do something different, and that is that, so this movie is doing what Oppenheimer does, but is telling it in chronological order. What I would have done instead is actually kind of take a page from Oppenheimer, which is start at the beginning and end, and then end, actually end in the middle. Like... I would have had, I would have wanted it so that, not like scene per scene exactly, but you're pretty quickly going from color to black and white on a pretty regular basis. I would want to compare the past with the present, so to speak. That's what I would want. I would want to show people how, oh, the anger and bitterness that led towards, that you see in color Let's see it beforehand in black and white. Let's see what was like. So that one, that's what I would do. Because the reason why is that there are actually a lot, a good amount of really interesting moments in this movie where like objectively these are interest, either well acted or well-made moments. I really like that one shot where it's the, oh, it's one, it's the opening shot and he runs out of his apartment and he runs into the theater and it's this really long clearly that's the best shot of the movie by the way it, it is the best shot of the movie but it's really cool it, that's really cool i'm like when, when this movie opened like that i was like oh i think everyone might be wrong about this this is neat and, and then, then it just becomes over the it just becomes like uh like a camera like like kind of like on the like uh on the shoulder type camera yeah. coverage but but then my, DP, me, my, my DP friends are going to hate me because they're like, there's an actual name for that type of camera setup. 
over Ow. the shoulder shot. Who cares? I don't care. I don't know. Mm. Yes, there is. There is. And we're getting it wrong. Um, but then every once in a while, in my opinion, the movie does something where it's like, oh, that's a neat moment. Like, I fucking love when they're on stage and you see the New York, New York sailors dancing. Uh, around them and it's kind of representing what the it is a dance version of what they're going to go through in their relationship and i'm like oh this is a neat idea this is really cool like to approach it in this way like having the dancers like push them together and pull them apart i'm like first of all that's the shot you actually open with them or that's one of the if not the opening shot that's like the mid that's the act break between the two sections of the movie so that you understand like this is almost the dance interlude or something but that's really cool. And then throughout, you get less of these amazing moments. I, I, I don't know if they're amazing, but really cool moments. But in between, as you said, they are just talking. And there's nothing wrong with having a movie with people just talking. But this is about one of the greatest American composers alive. And he's talking about how, like, there's that interview scene, which is based on a real interview. Actually, word for word, recreated, where he's talking with... um. Oh, he's a very famous American uh, broadcaster. But he, he and his wife are being interviewed in their home. And he's talking about how he's working on a little movie called West Side Story. Like, that's his current project. Can, can, can I interject a little please, bit? Please, please. So I actually kind of want to push back on something you said where you felt like this movie was a bit like Oppenheimer, except uh, it was told in chronological order. My yeah. pushback is this. Oppenheimer is the story of Louis Strauss explaining the uh, e e explaining kind of the, the 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 railroading that happened to Oppenheimer, where Oppenheimer's explaining how they built the Trinity bomb, right? Mm -hmm. That that's kind of the levels it's going through. Mm -hmm. So in each and every one of those story within a story within a story. Uh, the characters are talking. They're, they're talking. Sure. But but they're talking about like what they're kind of like their area of expertise, right? Mm -hmm. It's about it's about uh, 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 thermonuclear phys or or, or uh, quantum physics to uh, legal disposition, where it's a bunch of lawyers talking about what they're doing. To a political uh, a, a political hearing, which is Le Louis Strauss's like area of expertise, mm -hmm. right? So they're always talking about stuff that they know about, right? It's they're not just talking about their personal lives. Their personal lives are in there, but it's sprinkled throughout. What Maestro does that I'm just like befuddled is that it is like at least three quarters domestic drama, or first it's 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 three quarters. The romance and then domestic drama between Leonard Bernstein and Felicia Montenegro-Cohen. And then maybe, if we're lucky, uh, uh, Leonard Bernstein will talk about talking about his work. Mm -hmm. We see him work once or twice. Yeah. There's never a scene of him working on, on West Side Story. Yeah. There's never a scene of him working, composing on the waterfront. Oh my God! I've, yeah, there, there's yeah. never a scene like, like literally, we get a few seconds of him conducting his very first performance, and then it literally cuts to like afterwards, right? Yeah, because he, because famously he'd talk about how he would black out during, during that. So it's the, like, okay, like, like 
and and it looks like the decision was was that well we kind of want the the we kind of want the 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 peak we kind of want the 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 big the big moment to be a, a six minute scene of Leonard Bernstein conducting a Mahler piece, The Resurrection, one of his most famous conducting performances, sure. Mm-hmm. But like we get like maybe a total. I'm not joking, guys. We get maybe a total of five minutes of seeing him conduct or perform. Actually, do we ever see? We see him play a piano, but we never yeah. see him like perform his original instrument, which I believe was what was his original instrument? Was it a clarinet? I don't. Remember. I thought I thought it was a piano, but. Maybe I, maybe it was a piano. We see him like perform and conduct before the Mahler resurrection scene. Maybe a total, a grand total of five minutes, five, seven minutes, maybe. What's crazy, I have to add, is so I, I you because I completely agree with you. I want to see him make this make the shit. I want to see him, you know, composing on the waterfront. I want to see him coming up and because. Him working to create the music for West Side Story, that was very much, we know it was a collaborative effort. With, like, with Stephen Sondheim. With fucking Stephen Sondheim. Like, like, but instead they're like, no, we're not showing you any of that. Like, you don't want to see that. It's like, what the fuck? And instead, we only get one moment of him making his music. And it's with all these other guys in this uh apartment he lived in where he's sitting on the toilet and like he's writing shit with the door open and it's kind of like why is like oh this is not at all a bad scene by any means but why is this the only music writing scene that we have in this movie so are you talking about the scene where he's writing like in his vacation home uh no and it's black and white oh okay. and he's with his what we later figure out was one of his lovers. Um, and he's writing that piece and he like says something about how he wrote something, but it's not finished, but it'll have to do. And like, there's these three guys there and they're all trying to write. Um, he, in, there, like, the, there's a, there's a sequence yeah. where <clears throat> there's a sequence where Leonard Bernstein is writing what would end up being his, one of his big hits, the, the mass. I mm-hmm. think it was called mass. It came out in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just we just see Bradley Cooper writing and mm-hmm. it's all told through the angle of like him writing is pissing off his wife. Yeah. And then he says, I'm done. And then his it's it's his wife's reaction we're seeing. No, and yeah. I get it. I get it. Bradley Cooper made the executive decision that this is this is as much a movie about uh, Felicia Montenegro as it is about uh, Leonard Bernstein. But come on, the movie's called Maestro. Like, like kind of, it kind of to a much less, to a much stronger degree. Sorry, it did what Napoleon did, but decided to go all the way with it. Yeah, it's like at the very least, Napoleon had the decency the to be scenes. like, they had to be like, yeah, hey, let's have some war scenes. Here, yeah. it's like you can count it in like one hand, the yeah. amount of of music centered scenes that are in this movie. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like. You get you get confused because, or at least I did, because the acting is objective. Well, the is objectively good, and the cinematography is objectively pretty. So it's like almost a weird. You're watching this, and you almost it's like you can see what this could be, but it's not. Like that, if that makes sense. It's it's so weird because you're right. So. I have my quibbles with Bradley Cooper's performance. I feel like he plays Leonard Bernstein a bit too campy. The man 
at least from what I've seen, was never that campy as he he, he plays him more campy as a young man than he mm-hmm. does as a as, as an older man. He's a little bit, little bit more uh, uh, serious. But I was like, why is he playing Bernstein so campy? All right, that's a choice. Fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's kind of sad to say, but like Carrie Mulligan. No, no, it's not. Go on. It's not sad what you're about to say because it's. What were you going to say? It's kind of sad that Carrie Mulligan really carries this movie. No, she... So we're on Letterboxd, folks. You you don't know who we are on there, but we're on there. And I saw a review that... And again, this is one of those mean ones. So Bradley Cooper, I'm sorry. Where it said, what do you think it was like for... uh, For... um, for her to act circles around Bradley Cooper the whole time. Cause I hate to say it. She kind of fucking is like, she's, she does. She is very good in this and like nails. You know what she nails, which I rarely see actresses pull actors or actresses pull. So in the, in the black and white scenes, they're trying to create the way someone speaks in like a black and white movie. Yeah. And he does it in the way that's like, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but he does it in like a fine way. But she, like, nails it. Like, exactly right in this really funny way. And she's so good at it. The problem is whenever she's acting, it's not that Bradley's bad. He's not. He's doing a fine job. It's that she's so good, You he looks bad by comparison. And you start to unconsciously nitpick his performance no, you know because what it is, how, how great she is. You know what it is? So Bradley Cooper in a lot he's been doing press because again he wants to get the best ass but he wants to get best actor Oscar. Yeah. Uh, he talked about how like it's very intentional that the black and white segments he 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 played it as watching a golden age of Hollywood romance, right? Sure. That that that's how he played it. That's why she talks the certain way she does. That's why it looks the way it does. But by the way, Matthew Labique, who was the DP, he 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 that nails section it. he nails it. It's almost as good as what uh what the DP on Mank did. Uh, almost, but, but here's that's the other thing. So everything we see in this movie, though very well done, production design wise and cinematography wise, there's one movie out there that did it a little bit better. Yeah, <laughs> or, it's either Oppenheimer or it's a uh, Mank. It's Oppenheimer, Mank, or to a lesser extent, The Master. To a lesser yeah, extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where totally cinematography, right. cin- speaking specifically from the cinematography, you're like, oh, they're doing the master cinematography. Oh, oh, and then there's one scene at the end where I was like, Tar did that better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, Tar uh, did everything better, but anyways. It, um, yeah, but anyway. Uh, so so the, the black and white first third of the film, it's like a golden age of Hollywood romance. Here's the thing, though. After the film leaves that stylistic choice, it feels like Bradley Cooper still start kept acting like that, whereas Carrie Mulligan was like, okay, let me start acting like a real person. Yeah. Because she kind of – it's very subtle, but she acts more like a real person. Like once they're married and once it's in color – you know, she starts act. She starts acting like the flawed woman that she is, where she's like kind of living a lie in her marriage, and she does this really good thing where she's saying that I'm, I, I kind of allow, uh, I, I allow uh, Lenny to flaunt his infidelity in front of me, but she doesn't say it. She just kind of says it in another way. Oh well, you know how Lenny is, and and yeah. I love him for it. Right? Well, the way she says it, she's like, and she goes like, and then he's just sad. And I, how could I do that? It's like, oh, that's really, t- that's a really interesting way to deliver it. Yeah. And, and and you're like, how is it that 
Bradley Cooper can give Carrie Mulligan such just good, good stuff to 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 to, to perform with. And he's like, he's like, I've slept with both your parents. <laughs> and you're like, what, what, what is that? Or he goes like, let me put you in my pocket. Oh, now you're in my pocket. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what is this? What, what yeah. is this? Oh, and <laughs> then, so Leonard, Bern- again, this isn't a secret. Leonard Bernstein actually did have a bit of a drug problem mm-hmm. into his middle age. And the way Bradley Cooper plays it, I was like, is is this supposed to be funny or tragic? I'm not sure. Um, you know, he's always like he's he's playing it so campy, yeah. and then Carrie Mulligan's being a real person, and yeah. then, and I'm sure you'll agree. See, to make it worse, uh, Maya Hawke plays the oldest Bernstein child, Jamie Bernstein, uh, and, yeah. and she's, I, I hate to say. She's giving a much more grounded performance, a, a much a, a, a much more real performance. Whereas, again, Bradley Cooper's going like, "Sweetheart, people are just jealous of my uh, of my success. You're, everything you're hearing is just from jealous people." And I'm like, mm. "How are you not on the same wavelength as Mulligan and Hawk?" Now, I do have to admit something that made me cringe a little bit. I did so. I listened to Terry Gross on Fresh Air a good amount of time. I find her interviews genuinely interesting and amazing. And she interviews Bradley Cooper and the guy that he got to be the uh, the, uh, the musical, uh, I don't know what the word is, but basically the guy who's making sure the music is like authentic, I guess. Not, oh, not the, even the, the music co- supervisor. The music supervisor. That's who they have on there. And there's something Bradley said that was like, you did not follow your own advice, where he says, you have to understand that when I am creating, when I'm trying to create a role like this, I'm not trying to copy it. It's like, no, that's what you're doing. Like you were trying to copy it word for word. Cause like you looked, if you look up him in interviews or, or Bernstein in interviews, he does put on a certain mannerism. He does talk a certain way, but he's putting it on for the camera a bit. Like he's yeah. trying to be performative a little bit. And, and, and like at, at, at the final stage of his life, he, he stops doing that. Yeah, he drops it all, or mostly. And then someone pointed out, like, why does Bradley Cooper's voice change so much throughout the movie, which it does. Actually, to Bradley's credit, I didn't know this until hearing about this, the, uh, Leonard, Leonard Bernstein had, like, I guess, a lot of uh, problems with his lungs, and it didn't help oh, that he, he also he smoked. smoked. He, yeah, he and smoked he, like a chimney. And he smoked like a chimney. So that act, that part makes sense. His voice over time did drastically change. That That's actually very believable, uh, very believable but the problem is he decided and this is where a lot of the um more angry comments about his performance and certain makeup choices that were alluded very much alluded to earlier come in he does a certain nasally quality that is could be construed as stereotypical and he's just not a refined enough actor to hum it down so to speak like he could only find one note of it and that just then caused the anger to come out in a different bunch of different people yeah i i just it's one of those things where i i think bradley cooper knew like on on like a technical level i think he knew the be- he he makes good choices on a technical level. Like oh, on a, like he makes a- great choices on a purely technical level. Yeah, and even on a the people he chooses 
to act around him. He makes perfect choice, nearly perfect choices. Carrie yeah. Mulligan being the best one, but he makes very good choices. All it's weird. He figured out all the pieces he needed to make this work. The problem was, is he, for some reason, he got all the right pieces involved, but he made key mistakes. But then, as an actor, as an actor and as a writer, unfortunately, because he decided it's it's not even a a mistake to focus on their relationship. That is interesting. I mean, I mean, it's it's one of the most famous stories of 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 like they were like they were like a because remember she was like a famous. Movie she was. Slash TV she was more. Fa- she was more famous than him when they got married. Yeah, yeah. But so, in- so the whole like he took care of me while I was dying of cancer. I get why that's in the movie, and honestly, that segment is the strongest segment of the movie, because because again, not a spoiler. Basically, like he gets his act together when he realizes she's dying. Yeah. Uh, but but he kind of falls apart after she dies, right? Which also was true. He did fall apart. When he did she died. fall apart. He gained a lot of weight, and uh, there's some stories that he was a little handsy. But again, yeah, yeah. It's, but yeah. and that's the strongest part of the film. the The film you're watching this, and you're just seeing kind of the the tragedy of this woman deteriorating, and this this husband who loves her but doesn't know what to do. He's like. Uh, how do I take care of you? How do I how do I stop this? He has this? no idea what to do. It, it's he... really really good, and it's it's the only sequence where he's still doing the little campy Bernstein thing, but not as badly. Not no, as badly. Because Bradley Cooper is a competent actor. We're not saying yeah. he's bad. Yeah, he's an Oscar nominated actor. He's it's very it, it's just that like again in a movie called Maestro because it's about Leonard Bernstein. Show how, some fucking music making exactly show us him conducting like like you're watching the movie literally the movie starts the day he gets the call the morning he gets the call that he's going to conduct and you're like okay that's what this movie's about literally two minutes later it's like oh it's him meeting his his future wife mm-hmm. and you think like this is going to be like oppenheimer like it's going to intercut with his career no no it's literally no, just, just we hold it, for that it's just him and her, him and her. And you're just like, cause I was waiting for genuinely. I'm waiting for the moment where he's on the set of, of West side story and on the waterfront. Like we needed both West side. If you had to pick one, you'd have to go with West side story. Cause it's more famous, but you have to go with that where he's like with all these other composers trying to figure out the music. Like we needed fucking that. See, and we didn't do get you, it. See, do you know what made Leonard Bernstein Arguably the most famous musical composer slash conductor in the United States. Do you know what it was? His young person's concert certainly helped. Exactly. You know what this movie doesn't have? Any of them. Any of them. Like, okay. They Spo- mentioned them once. Spoiler. Or not a spoiler. This is a spoiler. The movie came out two years ago. Uh, Tar. So in Tar, uh, Lydia Tar's character says, I was mentored by Leonard Bernstein. That's bullshit. Like, she would have been a middle schooler when he died yeah. right uh and you, you're thinking to yourself like that's not true that's not true and you realize yeah it's it's a lie but but that 
she was mentored through him through the way most other kids yeah, of her generation grew to love mu- music was through his videos. That's what made Leonard Bernstein famous throughout the United States. And like, that video, actually, that's, that's a, when he composes and he turns around and goes, wasn't that fantastic? That's such a famous moment yeah. in his videos. When he does that's that, he goes, not in this movie. No, they don't include that line. It's like, where because here's the thing. If I were that, if I were directing the movie, that's another thing. I would have it where he's finishing it. You have the big triumphant moment, and you do a super close up from like shoulder up, and he turns around and he goes, "Wasn't that fantastic?" And then you just see the thunderous applause. Like, uh, the, like, listen, I okay. They did include the 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 one that one of the iconic things of him, which was his him conducting, uh, a Mahler's resurrection. Yep. In England, they include that, right? Because yes. that's on the poster, that's on everything, right? But, but again, they don't. To, but they don't what, include the other five things he was iconic for in a biopic about Leonard Bernstein. But also, they don't include while he's doing that. He did that in commemoration for the destruction of the Berlin Wall. They don't talk about that at all. No, they don't. You don't. You're like, what's the context for this? I don't know. But Bradley Cooper's act is conducting like crazy. It, it, it's it's a fine scene. I'm not saying it's not. It's no, it's impressive. It's, actually very, it's a very well made scene. It, it's it's impressive. I do think it's ruined because of the way he cries when he sees Felicia, it just I did not believe it. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't believe it, but apparently that did happen. Because no, no, no. They I, were I, on the rocks, and he saw I, her. And he I totally can believe that he he actually cried when she was there. I just can't believe he cried in that particular manner. He literally does like the most like Oscar baby thing of like, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, okay, but but again, I, I think C and I are kind of driving the point home. That's like, yeah, we're being a little over the top here. Not really, but you know what I mean. It's fine that if if the if the angle on a story is that they're romance, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But like when when you're presenting this as the life story of the life's work of Leonard Bernstein, and you don't include not even him humming something from West Side Story. Or no, Candide. And, and the way they use the West Side Story music was such a weird choice where there's this scene where he's driving with these guys and they pull up to his summer home and he walks out with them. And then you just hear the banana. It's just it's just and so I'm like, weird. that's that's such a weird place to put that in there. It doesn't. Why would you do that? But so, OK. That, you, you know what's so it's the the film does or at least uh the film does attempt to include because not only was leonard burns so again leonard bernstein and felicia montenegro were like the first like a-list celebrity family in america or at least in new york city yeah uh so there's a famous like photograph where they're watching the macy's thanksgiving day parade and the big snoopy walks or the the Snoopy just kind of floats past them mm-hmm. and they recreate that in this movie mm-hmm. and I'm like out of all the th- of, that's of what all, you pick yeah that's, that's what, what you, you pick. pick and I didn't even know that was a thing at all and then it's like okay you, why are we focusing on this you're not you're not including the fact that like he really wanted to write the lyrics of West Side Story and begrudgingly like accepted that Stephen Sondheim was a good lyricist. You yeah. you don't in, you don't include the fact that he had a rivalry with Elmer Bernstein. You don't include the fact that he didn't win for On the Waterfront. He didn't win the Oscar for that, famously, which a lot of people agree. That's the one reason. He, I mean, not that he was thinking about this, but not winning On the Waterfront is the only reason he's not an EGOT for the record, which is insane. But 
what you literally could have done is where you have him, he's working and working, and like you see him in the audience of the Oscars, and you see the winner go up and accept the award, and he's sitting there not winning for On the Waterfront. Like That could have been an interesting scene to have, and you could have his wife comfort him in that moment, but instead, no, let's not talk about he, that he did any of that. No, that's that doesn't matter. Let's have them at their house, having some food, talking or, about it. Or, or Carrie getting... Mulligan like alluding to the affairs to Sarah Silverman, who plays, uh, who his, plays sister. Sh- his sister, Shirley Bernstein. Yes. She's not so bad in it, but you're just yeah. like, why are you here? It's she's fine in it, and you just yeah she's she's perfectly fine in it. Really, the two best performances are from uh, two the two actresses. Um, Karen I'm Mulligan a, and Karen, Maya Hawke. Yeah, Karen Mulligan and Maya Hawke are the two best performances. By, by the way, I, I got yeah, no Karen Mulligan's great. She should be nominated. I I gotta say though, Maya Hawke like like underrated actress. She she's got she. This is so weird. She looks exactly like her mom. Like no, exactly it's, like it's, mom. it's it's exactly like. But you yeah, know what? Crazy. She performs like her dad. I know. <laughs> it's yes, so does. weird. That's so funny. She she oh like 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 no 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 offense to Uma Thurman, but no, Uma Thurman great. is nowhere near the level of performer as Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Hawke's specialty is doing kind of this very like introspective, like very grounded, naturalistic performances, and that's, and that's kind that's of been Maya Hawke's bread and butter. Yeah. Like she really does like when when she's like, you know, the there's a scene where she's basically knows that her dad's gay, but he just won't admit it. And mm-hmm. she's so subtle with her performance. I was like, yeah, you are Ethan Hawke's daughter because that would that would have been all the choices Ethan Hawke would have made. Honestly, I just, I just sorry. Never mind. The, 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 funny, the funny thing, the funny thing was I was I was telling someone I was like, you know, I would not mind if they remade like like uh before uh before sunrise or whatever the first mm-hmm. movie was called with Maya Hawk and then if Julie Delphi has a son get him and just oh, just redo it like yeah. that uh that but, would be interesting uh, that would be interesting um but listen the movie is ambitious it's just it's so weird when a when when a filmmaker obviously really cares about the subject matter it's just and it's not even that he he struck out. It's just that he you're expecting you're expecting a home run, and he kind of got like he he got a foul ball. Like, I would like say it, you know what it was. This movie was like watching uh, a baseball player at second base keep trying to steal for third, but never quite getting it. Yeah, like. Like, he's at second base, definitely, but he's trying to steal for third base, and maybe he can get the home run, and there is, like, you keep seeing that, and there's that excitement of him trying to do that, but he doesn't quite get there. Um, yeah. Can I ask you something, C? Do you, oh, sure. do you think that maybe this, this project was too big for Bradley Cooper as a sophomore directorial effort? I think what it was... Uh, this was so okay in a star is born which bradley cooper made all the right calls for that that's a great movie and for the record i'm not entirely writing off bradley cooper as a director as a whole because mostly because of a star is born because he figured that out really well in my opinion and i'm looking at it where i remember leaving that movie and being like wow he really did it he really did the writer director or co-writer director actor producer 
all in one movie and he nailed it and it became a huge success. Like he really did that. And so that's such an incredible high to be on. And then when Martin Scorsese and, and, and uh, Steven Spielberg come to you and say, that was amazing. And we want you to do to take care of our baby that we've been trying to build. Like that, that, that blows you the fuck up at that point. And you're just going to trust. I think what happened is after all that, Bradley Cooper trusted all of his instincts, which you can't do. Mm-hmm. You got to trust many of your instincts and it's hard. It's fucking hard. It really is. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, I can't even blame him for this. It's like, this seemed like, when I remember the trailer came out, I'm like, you know what? This seems like a right step. Um, But what I think it was is that this was not the movie for him to do the same thing where he's he's everything. What he should have done was, he's like, you know what? I am just going to direct, and that's it. I'm just the director. I'm not the lead. I'm not the writer. I'm not... I may be a producer if that, you know, because most directors do that, but I'm really, my main focus is the directing. Um, and I'm going to really maybe try to get Scorsese and Spielberg involved on the writing angle here. Not that they'd be right, you know, get them involved in that way because they've clearly been trying to craft a script for years. I'm sure they have something there. Let me direct what they've made for me. Um, so I think he just spread himself too thin. That was the problem. Mm. And this was not. He, so to answer your question, was this too big for him? It was almost, it was almost, almost, but more in the sense that he just, he could have made it work if he didn't spread himself so thin. I think that was the problem. You know, I'm, I have, so famously, um, so Spielberg and Scorsese were working on this project for a while and, uh, I don't know why. Also, oh, before, I'm sorry, before I forget, the actor that plays his lover that's, or that you realize is his lover in the in the black and white sequences. Oh, Matt Bomer. <clears throat> Matt Bomer. He should. He. If you pick anyone who's currently cast, he potentially could have been an interesting choice for Leonard Bernstein. I don't ooh, know. We ooh, ooh. like because he he's Matt Bomer's a great actor that hasn't gotten a lot of shit by the way. Like yeah. or not nearly enough. So I think it would have been an interesting choice if they went with him. Um, and just like fuck the makeup, just like you know, if you say because he kind of looks like a young. Leonard Bernstein, when you accept the fact that no one looks like a young Leonard Bernstein entirely. So if they just went with him instead, I think there would have been something there. But, you know, what can you do? Um, What were you going to say? Sorry. I was going to say that, um, you know, so they even though they've been wanting to make a Leonard Bernstein biopic for so long, they had uh, Spielberg and Scorsese hadn't bought the rights to Bernstein. They hadn't bought Bernstein's life rights. Mm hmm. The only reason they bought him as early as they did was because film director Carrie Carrie Joji Fukunaga from uh, you know he just did uh, uh, No Time to Die he famously did uh, he he famously did True Detective season one mm-hmm. uh, Sin Nombre uh, I believe he also did uh, the Jane did he do Jane Eyre I feel like he did Jane Eyre yeah he did Jane Eyre okay. Um, and uh, so it was very, very famous uh, director, like one of the mm-hmm. best young American directors working now. Mm-hmm. He was going to make a Bernstein biopic with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, and he, that, he had that a script. would have been really good. He had a script written and everything. Um, and obviously they didn't win because even though this was before, like he did No Time to Die. So he was still kind of like small scale filmmaker. 
So it's like, yeah, I got Jake Gyllenhaal, but we'd rather sell to Scorsese and Spielberg. Mm. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that script looked because yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal actually has a pretty good track record with choosing scripts. Yeah, uh, not perfect, but pretty good. So I, I would be interested to see that script because maybe they they approached it from a different angle. Mm-hmm. That being said, I do feel like this was too big a project for Bradley Cooper as a sophomore effort. Um, this Sometimes you need like that. Uh, listen, A Star is Born is definitely a mid-range movie. It's not a mm-hmm. small little indie thing. No, no. no. But definitely it feels like it was too large scale in the sense of like the 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 span of time the mm-hmm. just the the gra- grandiosity of the music like I, I think Bradley Cooper needed to make a a, a, a large scale film that wasn't about such an iconic figure for mm-hmm. him to realize okay this is how you can wrestle with this well because I think we've learned doing a biopic about someone so big is really dangerous because ultimately like this is literally like oh handheld shots in rooms. And you're like, why? Like it's it's so weird. But um, anyway, that that's kind of kind of my thought on that. So uh, how about we give our rating? See, absolutely. Um, this was a movie that could have been so much more. And that's all I'll say. Really, I gave it a movie because I. So here, hear me out. I give it a movie despite everything I've said because I saw what it could have been and I saw the really interesting moments, the really well, sh- the great shot in the beginning, the, uh, the really good acting and the objectively good cinematography. I was frustrated with it, but at the end of the day, despite everything I've said, I'm watching this and I'm like, you know what? All the pieces, all the ingredients are here. It's just not well done. And I, so I gave it a movie. I give it, I know after everything I've said and all the problems I've had, I give it I give it a move, a frustrating movie. So and maybe I'm being kind. I, I, I won't be so kind. Have at it. This like I, I I took middle school band. I know who Leonard Bernstein is. Of course. Like and I developed an appreciation through him, through my love of the film Tar. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's the crazy thing. I feel like Tar does everything better than Maestro. Oh, easily, easily, yeah. In terms of, like, like it, it's not necessarily about the music, but the music element is right there, and it's always proudly presented. And you're, like, I was just going like this. I'm like, man, like, Tar isn't about music necessarily, but it does the music element so much better. It does the conducting oh, yeah. element so much better. Oh, and, yeah. it, and, and it's... It, and it really captures the scale and grandiosity of this music that they conduct. Mm-hmm. And as I'm thinking that, I'm like, you know what, Bradley Cooper, you're no Todd Fields. You're no, you're, you, you make one movie about music with A Star Is Born. I think that shouldn't put you in the realm of directors who can make musical type films. Yeah. This to me was a was a uh uh. uh this to me was a muffled meh. Okay. And I say muffled because it's like Leonard Bernstein has composed and conducted some of the greatest music in American history and in world history in Western civilization. And you don't make that front and center. Like I'm not even saying mm-hmm. make it take, make it take priority of the story. Yeah. 
here. But the fact that this... I do agree with the sentiment that their relationship is fascinating. I agree but with that part. The, the fact that we literally get a scene where he's like about to conduct and then we cut to Carrie Mulligan and then we cut to them back at home. I'm like, why does this keep happening? This is Leonard Bernstein's music. And the movie might be like, well, we gave you six six unbroken minutes of it with the resurrection scene. And I'm like, too little, too late. That's like, that's like past the halfway mark of the movie. Mm-hmm. By then I was looking at my phone going like, well, the, 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 there's no epic music in here, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's a muffled meh for me. And uh, I mean, do you want to add anything else? You know, I, I almost feel like... I'm sticking with my movie rating, but only because, like, it was kind of, it's my bias of, like, I do like these kinds of movies when they're done right. This was not. But it's, like, it was so close because, to me, it had, like, it had the cinematography. It had the acting except for the lead. Let's be, let's be frank. And it had the, uh, it had some of these it had some of the great moments that you look for in these biopics. It just, it was, you know what it was? It, it was, it was undercooked severely. Yeah, totally it's agree. It's like, you make this really good thing, you've got this thing, and it's like, when you undercook it, you're like, well, this is objectively good. Like, this objectively, this, slufa, this, this souffle is supposed to be good, but you undercooked it. Or you didn't add enough, or you know what, that's not even, that's not even quite right. Because it is an edible movie, but it's just like, you didn't add quite enough yeast to it, so it didn't rise in the correct yeah, in the yeah, correct way. Yeah. So it's like I can eat this, and there is flavor to it, but this isn't right. You didn't do the right thing here. So it's kind of like one of those. So I think my bias makes it a movie. I acknowledge that fully, just like my bias views other movies that a lot of people like that I don't love as much. Mm-hmm. So I I. I I, I still stick with my movie rating, but I absolutely am not going to go around being like, oh, yeah, he made something that was impressive. No, well, no. You spent a lot of time on something to make a movie. Um, and that is unfortunate. Uh, yeah. What I am... I genuinely do think, though, that the Academy is probably going to give this some shocking amount of love because you are right. This is exactly the kind of fucking thing they love. Not just love fucking gush over and just so. look who's behind making it it's not oh, just know. cooper it's scorsese and spielberg yeah, this but is getting a case this is regardless of its quality i will bet now that this is getting a best picture nomination mm-hmm. uh technical awards aside mm-hmm. the only other one maybe is carrie mulligan but it is such a tight race for actresses, for supporting and lead actresses that that's not a guarantee mm-hmm. but of any of the non-technical stuff and the Best Picture nomination through the Academy's bias. Carrie Mulligan's the only remote possibility, but it's not guaranteed. Well, with that being said, uh, that kind of ends our review of Maestro. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. Wasn't that fantastic? (laughs) Good night, everybody.